With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Argo Chat, the weekly Argo podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me to look back on a superb 1-0 win at league leaders Forest Green Rovers are Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hi guys. Hello Stu, all morning. well? Very well. Good, good. Very well, thank you. How was the Forest Green experience for you? Have you uh, <laughs> come back and had a sausage roll? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's meat free, isn't it, when you go to the new lawn and... Um... It's it's a funny experience going there. Um, I've been there once before for a pre-season game. I know you've been there, Stu. Yeah. Um, it's not just the sort of the vegan, eco-friendly um, situation. It's just there was three thousand eight hundred people there, and the place was heaving, and parking was a nightmare, and people were arriving stressed, and and it, it just wasn't that pleasant an experience watching a game there. I know from looking at some of the social media comments that Argyle fans didn't enjoy the trip in terms of where they were stood and, you know, a bit of a higgledy-piggledy stand. There was queues, apparently, for drinks and food at half-time. And it it was just... I think we were spoiled, to be fair, the week before when you go to somewhere like Bolton. Yeah, absolutely. And Jack, you know, you know what it was like there. Um, was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, And then nice. that was going to a Premier League ground. And then, with the greatest of respect, and I do mean the greatest respect, you were going from one extreme to the other. And it mm. was just, I mean, even the press box, you know, far be it for me to complain, but uh, it was a bit of a squeeze, a bit tight. and But the result, uh, you know, made it all worthwhile in the end, yeah. I'm sure, for for the fans. And there was trouble on the, on the motorway. There was a horrible smash southbound uh, that we went past. And then uh, I think there was a sma- uh, an accident as well up near Avonmouth and Cribs Causeway, so people were arriving late. So what should have been a relatively straightforward trip up to, to Gloucestershire was was a bit tricky. And as you know, Stu, I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. Somebody, somebody said to... Yeah. Somebody, we were sat in the media room and there was a journalist there saying, where, where would you say we are exactly? Right in the middle of the Cotswolds came the response from one of the locals. I think if you, if you saw a map found the Cotswolds, stuck a pin right in the middle of yeah. the Cotswolds, that's where Nailsworth is, yeah. isn't it? Well, I remember one of the times that I went there quite recently, and um, I ended up going through these country lanes, mm. and then I came to a roundabout, yeah. and it was like, oh, there's the ground, yeah. just there. You must, your sat-nav must have taken you the same way I did. Yeah. Because I, I kid you not, I, I had my sat-nav to get me to, to the ground, and um, I was 0.5 miles away, I'm not exaggerating, honestly, 0.5 miles away, and I was on a single track, country lane, and it's saying (laughs) half a mile to Forest Green Rovers, you think, how is this possible? I'm on, on, I could have been in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. And then, like you say, you come to the roundabout, and it's there. And the ground's there. Just ahead of you, yeah. And it's, it's just even so that, bizarre. Even that compared to Bolton from the week before. Yeah. You couldn't be, even the roads, you couldn't be yeah. much further away. No, now. absolutely. I, I was trying well, to think of sort of, 
examples of you know where football league grounds just pop up completely unexpectedly and it's uh, almost like a will and rovers or something like yeah. that you know just in the middle of the countryside absolutely yeah as you say it's at the top of the hill so it's mm. out of Nailsworth itself yeah what i don't like about it is that it is a new ground as well mm. i mean that ground's probably 10 15 years old i think mm. and the facilities i think for a modern football league ground I think poor. I think the main stand. Yeah, that, that's okay. You know, the main there was a nice meeting. Although, room. as you say, the press box is not very good. The press box isn't great, but the main stand, you know, got some nice corporate stuff, and um, I saw a few Argyle fans were making the most of the the, the corporate hospitality and the the hospitality. Matt Edwards, the media man at Forest Green, couldn't have been more helpful. Fantastic, really nice guy. If every media man at the opposition clubs were like Matt, life our lives would be an awful lot easier. So give him a name check, but. Yeah, the rest of the ground is a bit limited. I know they're trying to to build a new stadium, aren't they? By yeah. the M5, which would be an awful lot easier. And yeah. I, I, it's they, where that recycling place is, a new recycling place. It is. Place. And I, I saw, I took a little picture on my phone, actually, of that they've got the map and where the stadium's going to be. I think it's going to be like an eco-friendly stadium. Made, made of wood. wood. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So we're both on the same map. Made of wood? Is that yeah. made of wood? Is that wood? Is it? Well, I don't think that's So I, I don't know all the ins and outs. I know there's some planning... Mm issues and the council yeah i think i blocked it once that's right it's been rejected um, hasn't it? but i mean from a location point of view from a traveling fans point of view it's right by the m5 by the yeah. by the incinerator i think isn't yeah. it um that they built so um yeah it was it, it's, it's not easy it's no. not an easy ground to to get to or or uh being a way fan at but and we I'll were speaking about the food as well you know mm. and we know all about forest green being a yeah. vegan place and what have you mm. I just like to see people given the option. You know, mm. I, I don't think it should be mm. forced down your throat. <laughs> no, I mean, for of a better uh, phrase, in lots of ways, it's laudable that their owner and the club have got principles that they want to adhere to, and you know, vegan, and the you know, you've got the electric charging points when you get to the ground for for cars and and everything like that. So that, you know, I, I haven't got a problem with that, but I, I do think it's people should have the the choice. You know, if they want to buy a yeah. steak and kidney pie, I, I don't see. What the problem is with that, but you know you've got to. It's their club, you know. You have to respect them for that. True. And uh, one thing I would say is that you know you look at the attendances they get, and the ground they've got, and you think that they're right up in the top of League Two. You know they've, they've had two good seasons now. That looks like they're going to have another one with Mark Cooper. They're doing a fantastic job, and uh, I, I tell you what, they made Argyle work hard for that one nil win. Yeah, well, let's talk about the game then, Chris. Um, Jack, you watched it on. TV? No, on TV. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something else there, but probably <laughs> I don't... Uh, what, what did you make of the game then, Jack, watching it as a, as a fan? Well, it's quite funny. There's a lot of talk in the week about it's two good footballing mm. teams coming up against each other. Yes. It's, 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 it, so it should be a good game. And games like that rarely do turn out to be a free-flowing game. It was a very scrappy game with two teams that I think just didn't really want to concede a goal. And luckily, Argo got one in the first, midway through the first half. And they were able to then defend a bit more, and they had to, and especially as the game went on, Forest Green looked probably the better team, I'd have said, actually. But Argyle found this new sort of defensive resilience, um, and it was fantastic they got away with the three points, but it, was, it wasn't the game I was expecting it to be um, that was talked about in the week, and I, and I think that's just probably the same of everyone that was there. It was interesting listening to one of the Forest Green players after the game he came in did a press conference in the media room and I was busy doing the blog so I didn't listen accurately to every single word he said but he made the point that it was um, he thought it was one of those whoever got the goal first would have shut up shot because Forest Green have got an excellent defence record they've only conceded 11 goals all season including yeah. 
uh, Anthony Sarsavik's goal. So I think if they'd scored first, they would have uh, you know kept it nice and tight. And our goal did exactly the same thing. And I I just thought uh, I made the point in the in the copy over the weekend on the website that it, in many ways it was it was almost like watching a Derek Adams away performance where Argyll got themselves in front and then had that sort of doggedness about them to uh, to hold on for hold on to it a lot of this season we've talked on the podcast and we've written stuff about how Argyll are trying to play the ball out from the back from Alex Palmer to the defenders through the lines through the thirds and I wouldn't say that Ryan Lowe's gone totally away from that, but you look at Bolton, yeah. Jack, last last week, and then Forest Green, and there's definitely been a shift in emphasis on how Argyle are playing, because they are playing more like you would expect a lead two defence to do. Now, I'm not saying that they're not trying to play the ball out, but they have got, seem to have grasped the idea that there are times when you just have to put your body on the line, you have to stop a cross. You have to go and close people down. Do you think you, that's something Ryan to... Lowe's perhaps learn? Maybe, maybe. Um, the you look at the Exeter City game, four 0 You Argyle should have, and you would imagine would have done some serious looking in at themselves after that. You, you can't have a result like that and then sweep it under the carpet and pretend it never happened. You know, so I think they would have all had a sit and look and think. Well, you know, what are we going to have to do to get better? And maybe they've just gone back to the defensive basics a bit more. I'm not saying that they're going to stop playing out mm. from the back and the, the whole emphasis is going to change. But they are in League 2. When you go to teams like Forest Green, you know, who are well organised, they're a good team, you've got to roll your sleeves up and, and battle and scrap and fight. You know, Callum McFadden's gone off injured, Joe Riley's gone off injured, you know, the others would have had bumps and bruises. That's League Two football for you, isn't it, Stu? It's, yeah. it's, it's very rarely pretty. Now, I know it sounds as though Berry last season played this fantastic brand of football. I'm not, still not convinced that the squad that Ryan Lowe has got is best suited to playing fantastic, flowing, passing football. And maybe you do need to tweak things a bit to suit the players you've got. Yeah. I think and I've... I think that's what might have happened in the last few weeks I think you've got to mix things up as well you can't become predictable and I think that is, is a case of what Argyle will become you know the defenders will come back into the box Alex Palmer will play it out and all of a sudden the opposition attackers will put pressure on them straight away yeah. and that hardly happened possession. on Saturday Jack I remember there was one instance in the first half I remember uh, was it the first half yeah first half where Alex Palmer got the ball and Niall Canavan went very deep into the penalty area and he played it out in front of him but there was very certainly in the second half when they were coming under a bit of pressure there was they weren't really trying to play the ball out out from the back at all really and maybe it's a case of you know he's had time now he's tried to work the system with them it's not particularly worked he's tried various different players playing in there it's still not worked maybe he's thought well maybe they're just not maybe it takes a bit of time to realise actually we're not going to get this out of them you know we've tried for a couple of months now it's not working we have to shape it up a bit the one thing I did like about the game on Saturday is I think in recent matches Exeter City aside Alex Palmer saved Argon on a couple of occasions I don't think Alex Palmer had his best game on Saturday but the defence helped him that time and that's quite reassuring that when one of them's having a bit of an off day you know a few times he came for the corners or crosses and he sort of missed the ball or sort of flapped a bit but the defence was there to help him out and it's, it's reassuring to see the other side because often this season it's him that sort of saved the defenders blushes I think it was the other way around this weekend I'd like to see a couple more defensive performances like we saw against Bolton and Forest Green before I say yes everything's in the garden mm-hmm. rosy you know because yeah. it is only two games it's a, a small sample size but it does look and feel as though there's been a change in emphasis and 
you look at Josh Grant, for example, when he's gone into the midfield holding role, which has been occupied by Joe Edwards most of the season now. Mm. Joe Edwards and Josh Grant are very different players. Joe Edwards is a midfielder, is a is a fullback. He's a you know uh, getting getting forward sort of type of player. Josh uh, Josh Grant is basically another centre back playing in front of the central defenders. So against Forest Green and and Bolton, you've had four central defenders in quite a narrow area because because you're playing with the wing backs. You've got your three centre backs and then Josh Grant in front. There's not a lot of room for anybody to play through you or you know play balls down. The, uh, the channels for people to run into and you look at and, and Jack May's point about Alex Palmer Alex Palmer had what two or three saves at Bolton Jack mm, yeah not many more than that no. for for a fair amount of possession that Bolton had and again Forrest Green had a lot of possession but he didn't really have many saves there wasn't many saves that Alex Palmer made there was one from a free kick which he pushed wide when the ball was whipped in and uh, he pushed wide and there was a couple of sort of scrambles and bits in the second half but uh, no i I, I do think there's been a change in emphasis and I think you know it's suiting the defenders a bit more I think Scott Wooten's had a couple of really good games I see he got into the EFL team of the week um, you can argue the merits of well, how do they decide that sort of thing and that's that and the other but you know his his performances have improved you know Noel Canavan I think is, is, a, is more of a head it clear it type of defender um, so I just it looked a bit more suited to, to them I think as well for me it'll be interesting to see how they do on Saturday because yeah. I think it was Paul Tisdale on the Football League show made a point that the Forest Green pitch is a very small pitch and possibly mm. that doesn't then allow you to play free-flowing wide football because it's mm. so mm. sort of tight mm. so it'll be interesting on the home <coughs> park pitch after two away games then it'll be an interesting test mm. against as, as well a very good attacking bracket well, the, yeah and it, he illustrated the point as well about Forest Green having a really good away record yeah, exactly. having those bigger pitches to play on whereas Coming home to that narrow pitch, and is, then you've got three central defenders and Josh Grant. Yeah, you, you're not playing. Your, space. It's very difficult to play your way through that. And yeah. in the end, Forest Green, who have been lauded for their good football this season, and everyone says it, so you know, I'm not going to dispute that. But the last five or ten minutes, they've stuck centre back Matt Mills up front, and they were just lumping it. Mm. And sometimes you do have to adapt, don't you? Absolutely. It's yeah. great having principles, and if they work and everything like that, fantastic. But you do need to have other alternatives and options and things like that and that's what I think is encouraging about Argyle that since the Exeter game they've, they're doing something resilient. they're doing something different and they seem more resilient now if it all goes horribly wrong against Bradford on Saturday then we can revisit this but I, I think there's definitely been a change and it'd be interesting to, those are two away games so let's see how they play defensively and the style they adopt at home will Josh Grant retain his place for a home game or but you're playing a good team in Bradford so he might do but there might be home games where you think well we perhaps need somebody more who's going to instigate play yeah. and going forward for some home games I think, I think you've got to give the players and, and Ryan Lowe credit as well because you know there was a lot said after that Exeter game mm. but they do seem to have put an awful lot of work in on the, on, the, on the training ground and we even said in the podcast didn't we you know they've got some really tough games coming up now mm. with Bolton away Forest Green mm. and Bradford and they've already won two out of two and so. I remember saying after that defeat it wouldn't be as bad if they do respond yeah. to it and, and they have luckily I think a lot of people were panicking after that 4-0 defeat but in my head and I remember saying on the podcast I was just putting that down as a really bad day at the office unfortunately against your biggest rivals but since then they've picked up the points and I think that's 
that's, if they hadn't, then I think there would have been a lot more worrying. To I mean, do. that's three league wins out of the last four. So the extra one is a painful one, and it will hurt, and, and it will linger. But three wins out of four is 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 good form, isn't one, it? One defeat in seven as well. One defeat yeah, in seven. So exactly. so things that stats and everything like that, you can you can make anything you want of them, really, can't yeah. you? But you know, it was well, it's two good wins against Bolton and Forest Green. If they could then go on and beat Bradford, then that. that their confidence should be sky high. And, and the table's so games. tight, isn't it? The league two, we, we were speaking yeah, it is. Well, we'll, we'll come yeah, on to that in a minute, Jack, because yeah. yeah. we, we've got something to yeah. talk about. But mm. at the moment, let's continue on the defensive thing, because yeah. um, Nick Tomlinson, mm. as much as the three points were massive, for me, the bigger positive was the defensive display that Argyle put in and the passion shown by the players at full time. It doesn't remove the pain of the Devon Derby defeat, but they showed a togetherness that gives me confidence that this team can achieve the targets set by Ryan Lowe this year. John Lloyd also says, was this the match where Argo discovered that they do have a good defence after all? Yeah, well, I thought they defended really well. Yeah. There's, well, there's no doubt we go on, Jack, you had yes. that good stat, didn't you, about Argyle and Yeah, yeah I was looking at the, their record this season. and oh, They've won 10 games this season in all competitions and every single game they've kept a clean sheet. So you can, you can look at that in two ways. One, that that's a fantastic record, but two, they haven't won a game this season where they've conceded the goal, and that is a bit of a worry, isn't it? But as, as Chris said, you can flip stats however way you want. But perhaps on the, on the value of it, you know, on the face of it, sorry, they've not, the defence haven't been as bad as maybe we think. Maybe they've been awful in some games. Let's not, no, make, make no mistake about that. But 10 clean sheets, and we estimated about 22 games, you said, this season. That's almost a 50% clean two, sheet yeah. ratio. You can't really grumble with that. And it also goes back to what you were saying earlier on Chris when you know at Forest Green and, and talking about the all importance of getting that first goal mm. you know, yeah. if you can get that first goal and... well that, that, that's an amazing stat isn't it you know that all of the games you've won this season you've kept a clean sheet in um, that's that's quite impressive so John yeah, hello John thanks for the question I, I do think that the defence isn't as bad as some people thought it is let's just see going forward if it is it a consistently good defence um, and Bradford will be a good test and you know, then you're coming up into the Christmas run so we'll we'll find out what happens there but um, and, and, and Nick I think makes some some good points it doesn't remove the pain and the derby defeat that 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 will you know certainly for the fans I mean I suppose as players you've got to move on and you know save that for the return match and then take out your frustration then hopefully but they did show a togetherness they did stick to it they, they look like a team and uh, they certainly wouldn't have won that game in September. They would have conceded a goal from one of the, the crosses, the, the corners. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the goals they conceded earlier this season were corners, free kicks. Forest Green had lots of free kicks in the closing stages. I'm sure in September, Argyle would have leaked a goal in the last five or ten minutes to a set piece or something like that. So that was an encouraging sign that the last two games... Bolton, they saw out fairly comfortably. I wasn't too worried against... Bolton in the closing minutes, Jack, although I know you were a little bit more tense, but six minutes of stoppage time at Forest Green, you were thinking, oh, crikey, you know, because Forest Green had a real good yeah. go and there were some scrambles and the ball pinballing around. And Following on from what he said about the togetherness, well, I really enjoyed the piece you did with Anthony Sarsfik afterwards, who said mm. he's been here for three years now mm. and he was talking about his sort of affiliation with Argyle now mm. and that was really nice to read and he sort of, I know he's always had these sort of captain qualities, but he's really he's impressed me a lot this season because I wasn't necessarily so sure that he was going to have a huge future at Argyle, to be honest. Um, especially when George Cooper came in and Danny May, and, and up until recently Jose Baxter, he had quite a lot of competition. But he's he's kept himself in that team, and that's no mean feat. And I also love the fact that he was saying, you know, he feels partly responsible for the relegation, and he wants to help get Argyle back there. And that's yeah. the t- type of thing 
you want as a fan you want to see your players that were there last season saying and I think there's another sign of showing well, the, the, the governess. As a manager, they're the sort of characters you want in your squad, aren't they? You know, someone that wants to do something about what happened last year and, and get Argyle back into it. It's sort of not shirking, is it? It's standing up, no, we, were, yeah. we weren't good enough last season, we got relegated, but I'm determined to tr- play my part in trying to get us promoted, and he is doing that at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, I, I asked the manager because we saw Anthony Sarsavic after we saw the manager, and I, I said to the manager, you know, do you think Anthony Sarsavic's motivated about. Um, Writing the wrongs of last season because to me, he's been arguably Argyle's best player this season consistently. I think mm. you know he's put in a, a series of, of good performances, uh, and and Ryan Lowe agreed. He said um, I knew from when we sat and had a chat that he wanted to stay because he wanted to put the right right the wrongs. Other players didn't want to stay. Obviously, Carey and Ramirez went and got better offers anyway. But there was players that perhaps didn't want to stay. Um, but Sarsavik wanted to stay to put things right. I'm not convinced that at the start of the season, Ryan Lowe would have thought that Anthony Sarsavik would be playing each week for him. Because mm. um, I'm not sure he's necessarily the ideal fit for what he wants. But I think with his performances and his attitude, he's he's made himself pretty indispensable in that team at the moment. For example, George Cooper is on the subs bench at the moment because... They're going with Danny Meyer and Anthony Sarsavik as the central midfield pair. And one little nugget that Ryan Lowe slipped in, which um, I'm going to write about something later today, um, is that apparently Anthony Sarsavik is on penalties as well at the moment. So he's Argyle's penalty taker. Because have we had a penalty this I season? Don't think we have actually. No, I don't think so. We'll... But it was a little nugget because I he just threw it in there because we were talking about could he get ten goals this season? He's on four goals for the season now. He looks more than capable of getting getting ten goals in a season, which he's never done for Argyle. He's never come close to for Argyle, and um, and Ryan Lowe was saying, "Yes, I think he can. I expect him to." And he said, "Well, and he is on penalties as well." So again, that shows you that trust that the manager has in someone. You know that yeah, he's our penalty taker. Mm. One other question about the defence came from Dave Searle. Mm. He's again asking what happened to Will Ameson. Yeah, disappeared from the squad altogether on Saturday. What has Ryan Lowe said about it? And Brian G Woodward adds that he still thinks um, Ameson is better than Canavan because he's a goal scorer as well. Can we, you update that, Chris? Well, I mean, we've, we, Jack and I have talked about this before, haven't we? That Will Ameson does look a threat from set pieces. Um, Will Ameson hasn't, has fallen out of favour, I think, is the best way of putting it since the, the Swindon away game, the 1-1 draw. He got subbed at half-time. Uh, I asked Ryan Lowe after the game and Will Ameson and Connor Grant both travelled as part of a 20-man squad but weren't selected. Fit, but just not selected. So you did have, I suppose, your three central defenders started. You've got Josh Grant, who could go to centre-back if you needed to, and then you could uh, re- reshuffle the, um, uh, the defence from there. You had Joe Riley as a defender on the bench, so he had one defender, uh, two midfielders, three strikers and the goalkeeper. So it was quite an attacking bench. But basically, Will Ameson at the moment is fifth choice when it comes to central defenders now some people will disagree with that I'm sure quite a few will based on what we've seen but that is a state of affairs no injury uh, he travelled him and Conor Grant were there but weren't on the bench so watch so his space it's, yeah. it's surprising you know because mm. he, he, he was scored a couple of goals didn't he in, mm. in whatever month it was October was it mm. but, but the last few games you can't argue the last two, they kept last two games sheets. clean sheets and Josh Grant's gone in there and done a good job as well so I was surprised not seeing him on the bench I'm mm. three strikers on the bench that mm. seemed a bit 
odd to me because mm. you know you've only got two strikers. You don't really need to have three on the bench. But and then as as it would happen, you know, Callum McFadden and Joe Riley both get injured, mm. two wing backs, and then you're thinking, well, how are we gonna? Because we've got three forwards on the bench and only Joe Riley, and then Joe Riley gets injured. You know, Argyle are lucky to have a few versatile players. Joe Edwards, quick name check, played at left wing back, excellent. You know, did really well um, when he had to go there. Byron Moore went to right back. You know, they've got versatile players that can fill in positions. I'm a bit surprised you wouldn't have one centre back on the bench. But then again, you've got four centre backs out on the pitch yeah. anyway, so you can you can cope just by move. if anything had happened to one of the three centre backs you just move Josh Grant back yeah. and then Joe Edwards comes in and George Cooper goes to wing back or Byron Moore goes to wing back and Ryan Lowe is, is attacking you know he wants three strikers on the bench and I'm not going to criticise a manager for having three strikers on the bench away from home because no. that sends out the signal that you go in there to try and win the game doesn't it the other thing that surprised me from the game though I was, I was quite surprised when Cooper didn't come on for McFadden and the one not concern is not the right word but he was obviously one of Argos better players but I'm, I'm convinced he's not going to sign for Argos permanently unless he starts playing more games mm-hmm. and that's he's sort of running out of time to convince him now and I think he's a very good player right. but it's interesting though that you know Riley came on in, in McFadden's place and then when Riley went off, Cooper still didn't come on, did he? No. Which mm. it worked. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, if, yeah. there's a, if there's a deal where a permanent transfer can happen in January, mm. time is running out for him to get games if he's going to want to sign. Mm. And you'd imagine as well, given that he went to Peterborough from Crew and the reason he's come to Plymouth is to mm. get games. Yeah. He's yeah. And he was, here, he was our Player of the Month for October ratings as well. He's, yeah. he's not like he's coming and not been a good player. He's, he he contributed to the goal in Swindon. He's, he looked fantastic in some of the other games since then. It is. Mm. But, but that, you know, that's, that's what you've got a squad for, I suppose. Well, exactly. You know, you talk about the form of Argyle, one defeat in seven. It's just that that defeat was against Exeter and it feels so much worse because it was a Devon derby. But as you say, the form's good. Yeah. The players are in good form. And, he, you know, Ryan Lowe has got some welcome selection headaches, really, with regards to a lot of players. It's not, it's not form, some bad players having the bench. And Telford yeah. as well on the bench you know, came on. And, and so we saw, there. we saw Danny Mayer on Thursday before the game and we, he had a little spell out of the game, didn't he, when Cooper mm. played and, and Mayer was on the bench. And, and he said, I understood it. You know, the team were doing well at the time. You can't ex- If the team were doing well, you can't suddenly expect to go back into the team. And George Cooper, through a bit of unfortunate circumstance, finds himself out of the team. And... Danny Meyer, when he's anywhere close to his best, he's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. Anthony Sarsavik is, you know, as I said a few minutes ago, I think he's, you could make a case for him being Argyle's most consistent player this season. Unless you play George Cooper as a wing-back, where are you going to get him in the team? So, And also, to be fair, you know, Argyle were winning 1-0 at that point. Do you mm. want to bring on a wing-back that's going to really push forward? Do you want to try and preserve that lead? And they mm. preserved the lead and kept a clean sheet and won the game. So, Yeah. Yeah. Michael Kimbers um, sent a question in as well. How do Argyle ensure this victory leads to a sustained period period of form over the inconsistency of the season oh, so far? That's a good question, million isn't dollar, it? It's a million-dollar question. That is a million-dollar question, isn't it? Confidence is a big thing, isn't it? When you get results, yeah. results wins breeds confidence, confidence breeds good performances, and you can get on a bit of a roll and a bit of momentum. So if they could get a, a, a win against Bradford, which won't be easy, but if they could... Um, three wins in a row against Bolton, Forest Green and Bradford should set you up and start showing that they're beginning to find a bit of consistency but I think you've seen Bradford recently Stu and you know, I would anticipate them being pretty tough opposition very much so the, uh, the centre half I forget what his name is Richards Everton Richards, yeah Richards mm. Everton really mm. impressed me and they had Anthony mm. O'Connor of course yes. a Sargold player yeah 
playing alongside him. So yeah, very good, very good team. So that's a big Beatable. test, isn't it? Yeah, so, it is. Good, but uh, defensively, very, very strong. I thought Bradford were, yeah. and then of course you've got the threat of James Vaughan up front, who you know is a, a good player at this level. And it's, it's just crazy that Bradford are a team that have loaned out oh, Owen Doyle, mad, the sixteen goal top goalscorer in England, to one of their promotion rivals, and I cannot see him allowing them to stay at Swindon. That is, that is one of the most bonkers things in football. And there's a lot of bonkers stories in football, but two teams pushing for promotion and Owen Doyle out on loan, it's just it's crazy. how bad he is on Saturday, yeah. that's for sure. But it's just, it's just mental, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, you've just got to wonder what Bradford would do come January, you know? Will they bring him back? Will Does they? he even want to be at Bradford? Yeah, absolutely, you know? that's so another many, question. Isn't so it? many scenarios. Yeah. But even, even, even not, can you, can you afford to let a striker that good out to one of your promotion rivals I don't mm. know it's, well, it's I think if you look one. at the Bradford fans forums on Facebook and things you know they're all you know why is he out on loan he's he wasn't like that when he was at Bradford obviously he struggled for goals he's gone out and, and he's always been a good player well, exactly I remember he's Derek Adams wanted yeah. to sign him didn't he he's always been a good player so something's happened at Bradford yeah. where it didn't work but yeah Swindon are certainly reaping the benefits at the moment aren't they most definitely one final question Matthew Penny just wondering so many injuries whether so many injuries will compromise our goals chances of getting into the playoffs at the end of the season which he thinks is a bare minimum yeah I mean injuries can always impact a football team can't they you lose one or two key players Argyle have had a fairly steady stream of them at the moment they seem to be reasonably clear of uh, situations Billy Clark the striker wasn't in the squad on Saturday because he tweaked his groin in training on Friday so that's why he wasn't involved in in the squad but I don't think uh, from what Ryan Lowe said that that's um, a serious problem so you look across the squad and they're, they're reasonably well set now so if they could keep away from too many injuries that will help if you lose one or two key players uh, then that can definitely impact you so I think any team in League 2 if you lost one or two particular players that could impact your chances of having a good season just because you know the quality is not perhaps as wide and deep in a squad in League 2 as it would be saying League yeah. 1 or the Championship but Jack no I agree I don't think Argyle are an exception to that rule I think every team in League 2 and probably League 1 well most teams in League 1 there are a few exceptions I would imagine but they're in the same boat you can't afford too many injuries because it does destabilise the team but the fact is I think Argyle have got some good players at the moment that can come in for positions and Ryan Lowe's done very well at recruiting versatile players that can play in all manner of positions you know Byron Moore, Joe Edwards, George Cooper. There are so many players that can play in a whole host of positions. And that does help, I think, because you're, yeah. you can then keep a more settled team when you are disrupted by one or two injuries. Obviously, you, got, you just touch wood that players like Byron Moore, who's luckily playing a few games at the moment, and Dom Telford stay injury-free. We've had a couple already this season, um, especially Dom Telford, because I think he looks a really exciting prospect. And I would love to see him get a good run of first-team games at some point. And having that versatility, it also means you can stick to your principles because any player that comes in knows, you know, if it's Joe Edwards, for example, he knows what Brian Lowe yeah. wants if he's playing as a defensive midfielder or as a wing-back. So. This isn't a criticism of Derek Adams necessarily because I, I don't think the budget was possibly as good because Kerry and Lemiris have left. But I feel like these players that are versatile are more, um, what's the word, they, they more fit the positions that they could be versatile in. I think Derek Adams had some versatile players, but it was more square peg round holes, I think. And Ryan Lowe's been able to bring players in, I think, that fit these multiple positions in quite well. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Um, interesting last week, guys, to see former Argyle player and manager, of course, Carl Fletcher, sacked by Leighton Orient after just 29 days. Five games in charge, uh, two draws, three defeats, first of which, of course, being at home park, wasn't it? A 4-0 defeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt you're both shocked and probably saddened as well to see what happened at Brisbane Road. 
Yeah, I mean, I got to know Carl quite well as a player and then when he became Argyle manager and I think he did a great job keeping Argyle up the first season he was manager because if you remember they had one point from the first nine games and I think anyone who keeps a club up from that situation has done well. Um, he's a good guy and I know that doesn't count for a lot in football necessarily but he's a good guy so from a human level I felt sorry for him. Um, Sacking a manager after six games and 29 days, I, I struggle to get my head around the, the theory of that. It, it certainly, to me, says more about the club and their recruitment process and the people that decided to appoint the manager than the actual manager themselves because that manager, Carl Fletcher, won't have changed in 29 days. He won't be doing anything differently from day one to day 29. Um, I sort of said something along those lines on Twitter uh, and I it got recycled a bit and I got a few comments back from, from Leighton Orient fans who were saying well we've lost to Morecambe and we've lost in the FA Cup to Molden and Tiptree and he's apathetic and the performances are poor and, and things like that but I think this just goes to modern football is that we all as fans expect results straight away now unfortunately Orient find themselves in a difficult position because of the tragic death of Justin Edinburgh which would have destabilised any club because they lost a good manager. They brought in Ross Embleton with the best of intentions as, as to try and keep the ball rolling, didn't they, and not shake things too up. That didn't really work, so they've gone to Carl Fletcher. So it's it's not been an easy period in time for that football club. Um, I, I just don't see the... You appoint somebody and then 29 days later you, you change. You, you're just adding more turbulence and... and I saw Martin Ling, who used to be at Torquay. He's the director of Football Orient. He did a, he fronted up, did a video interview. I was curious to see what he had to say, so I watched it. And his basic premise was it wasn't the right fit. It didn't feel the right fit. And he said it's one of those where if you think that now, you're not going to change your opinion one month, two months, three months down the line. You're better off to make the decision now than to leave it for those extra two or three months. But... How can you interview somebody and appoint somebody 29 days ago and think he was the right man? Mm. And 29 days, he hasn't had a transfer window no. to bring any players in. He wouldn't have had much scope to get any messages across to his players. So I suppose on a broader football point, I just think, why, why do people want to be football managers? Mm. When Carl Fletcher had a good job at Bournemouth as the loan manager. He had a good job. Him and Eddie Howe, big mates. He could have stayed there probably as long as Eddie Howe's at Bournemouth, which could be a long time. I think Ryan Lowe said that ahead of the Argyle game. You know, he could have kept the wage. He could have stayed there and had a great job. He goes somewhere else, and to my mind, way of thinking, with very little chance to prove what he's capable of, they they change the change the manager, and uh, you just I don't I just don't think it's the right way of treating people. To be honest. I, I was shocked by it I think everyone was shocked by it we all know what football can be like and, and it is a brutal world I think he's maybe sixth one of the sixth position in the fastest manager to lose their job never obviously beaten Leroy Senior's 10 minutes at Torquay <laughs> he's, he's, he was on that he's on that list but what I, what I will say is I, I think that the fact they've cut the board have come out Ling and said we made a mistake basically I think that's the right thing to do I think sometimes people do make mistakes you've got to question how that came about and I think you know, whoever they appoint next is going to be heavily scrutinised by a lot of people. But I do believe that sometimes you can just 
get the wrong person. And uh, Chris is right, I think you've got to question how that came about. Mm. And it's, just, it's sad for um, Carl Fletcher. And I think it also comes off the back of they had, I think, three wins in a row before he was appointed, which doesn't help. And then obviously he gets a job and loses to Argonne and he gets some poor results. But it, it, it's a shame. But sometimes you, people get things wrong. And I think that's, 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 that's the case here. And it's just a shame, when, like Chris, at a human level, that he's the one that's sort of been the full guy. I think Orient have just got to be careful, you know, it was only a few years ago, of course, where they lost their League Two status and they were a club very much in turmoil at the time and it's it's almost like it's history repeating itself, I think. It's, it's also it's hard. It's, managerial changes. It's hard on the outside to know what's going yes, on yeah, in the you know, we're, we're all mm. looking at this, we don't see the games, we don't no. know what training's like and perhaps if Carl Fletcher, some of what I've read from people at the club have said he didn't really mix with people and perhaps if that's true, Maybe it was the right call. You know, it's, it's easy to judge people from the outside, especially in an industry where people are sacked wrongly and unfairly. Maybe this wasn't unfair. Maybe this, uh, you know, it's hard to tell, tell from I, this position. I just, you know, how can you judge anyone properly on 29 days? When you play a lot of games in a short period of time as well, you're on the road, you're travelling. How many training sessions would he have actually had with that team in those 29 days? Uh, you're just not giving the, the guy a fair chance. That, and you that's can, the bizarre, the bizarre you're not thing. Giving is, him a chance. He's not. He's not an manager that's had a lot of experience. He's been at Argyle, so surely there would have been some understanding that he would take a bit of time. You don't appoint someone that's young and not been in management for however many years and been a low manager at Bournemouth and expect them to, you know, run the roof straight away. It was always going to take time. So that's the thing you've got to mm. question. And and Martin Ling, fair play to him. He's come up and held, sort of held his hands up and said we got that wrong. But. It's a shame that someone that Chris says I don't know him is a mm. nice guy that's, that's lost his job, but hopefully, touch wood, he'll get a chance at Bournemouth again. It's just a shame that he went into management in a really difficult situation at Argyle. After such a long time, he's gone back in and he's sort of been burnt again. That, that, yeah. That's a shame. Yeah. yeah, it is a shame. I do wonder whether Derek Adams perhaps has a little bit of regret <laughs> taking the Morecambe job now. I don't think Orion would have been a good fit for Derek Adams. Not with because Martin Ling. Exactly, for that yeah. exact reason. Yeah. But then there were two other mm. dismissals last week with yeah. uh, Grimsby and yeah. Carlisle. Yeah. Carlisle, I think, would have been perfect mm. for Derek Adams. Yeah, I think he could have really put his mark on yeah, Carlisle. Yeah, I think so as well. And Carlisle, Carlisle is one of those clubs where, I'm not sure, I think money's a bit of an issue there, but you could get something going at Carlisle if you got on a bit of a momentum. Mm. There's there's potential, you know, I hate to use the word potential because you use it about Argyle all the time, but... <laughs> Still waiting for there it. Is, <laughs> but there is, and, and it's probably true at Carlisle. There's some similarities between yeah, Carlisle and Argyle. Location-wise. Location, you know, on the edge of everywhere. But you just feel if that, and Carlisle did get into the top division many years ago, Jack. You won't remember this, but I, I do. I remember a Panini sticker book. And Carlisle, in what was, you know, it was they like cricketers who. Do you remember Chris Balderston? Yeah. He played for Carlisle and was a cricketer for Leicestershire at the same time. In those days where you could play cricket in the summer yeah. and then become a professional football player in the, in the football season. Course. Can you imagine that, Jack? No, Can you imagine no, people actually play cricket in the summer? County cricket, it's, it's an, and then they just yeah. transform from cricket, and then put their football boots on. I tell you what, I always hate people that are good at multiple sports. They, they, <laughs> they're the worst kind of human beings, if you ask me. I'm not sure when they took their holidays. But, um, <laughs> another departure last week, and this was from Argyle, was um, Jose Baxter, of course. Yes. Um, a bit sad scene. That's though. a shame. That's a shame because uh, again, I, I, I'm probably repeating myself, but again, genuinely in tune. Jose, Jose Baxter was a really nice guy. Had a couple of really good chats with him. Um, he's had his issues off the pitch, but I, I enjoyed chatting to him. He was an interesting guy to talk to. And it, I just he's, he's going to be one of those what could have been players when you look back in history. There were flashes when he played as he was getting himself fit where you could see why he played 
as a 16, 17 year old in the Premier League for Everton. You know, the ability was was clearly there. The the football brain was was clearly uh, in evidence. Um, but he couldn't get himself fit. He was behind everyone else arriving late in pre-season. So he had catch up to do. And then he, he picked up this calf injury, um, which unfortunately he hasn't been able to really shake off. And he played against Swindon as a sub. Mm-hmm. Um, where Jack and I were there for the league game and he came on and, and made a difference, didn't he, Jack, yeah, that day? Um, but then that's going to turn out to have been his last Argyle appearance. Um, he was on a short-term contract, which ended in January. It sounds as though he wasn't going to be fit much before then. Uh, and so both parties, it sounds mutual, it sounds perfectly amicable that both parties decided it's best to knock it on the head now rather than leave it till January and, and probably reach that decision then anyway. A shame because I think he was a, a, a really potentially a really good player for Argo. The, the one benefit from an Argo perspective, and don't get me wrong, I, I feel it's a shame it's not worked out, is that I think where he plays is probably Argo's strongest area in the pitch. So, mm. so in terms of just thinking about Argo rather than the human side of it, mm. it's, I don't think Argo going to be hugely affected again. He, he was never really featured heavily in the team. Mm. So, from that perspective, it's, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing. And also, you know. It, if someone's not going to be fit and they're, I don't know how tight the budget's going to be for January but you're already looking at where you want to improve and are we going to get enough games out of this person to make their wages relevant I think you've got to ask that of quite a few people including um, Billy Clark as well mm. I'm sure the same conversations will be yep. will be asked about him um, but yeah on a human level it's a shame because I think anyone that goes through any struggles you want them to do well you know mm. and I think a lot of people at Argyle wanted him to do well Ryan Lowe mm. wanted him to do well I'm sure he wants to get his career back on track it's a shame that injuries come along and I just hope that in a, when, it, when he's fit from his injury, he finds somewhere else and he does sort of start building his way back, back up in, in his football career. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, Chris, you know, he's a player with undoubted potential. That's yeah, sure. no, it's, it's a shame. It's, a, it's a what might have been. He, yeah. he could have been a really good player for Argyle and it's a shame that we uh, didn't get the chance to see that. And if he does get fit, I'm sure there'll be some club that will take a chance on mm. him. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure there will be. Yeah. Uh, finally then, guys, um, back to... Home Park on Saturday, and mm. as we say, Bradford City, they're up to third in the table. I mean, the League 2 table is yes. crazy. And Go on, spell this one out for the, for the listeners, Stu. Yeah, well, at the moment, Swindon are top on 33. Uh, 10 points between them and Cambridge, who are as low as 13th, and then Argyle are only 7 points off top spot. And they're 11th. And they're 11th. And there's games in hands and all sorts, Yeah, isn't there? I know, but I remember saying on the podcast before, I genuinely do not see a standout team in this league this season. And I think this will be the case right up until May. I think it's going to be a really fascinating league campaign. But there'll be some teams, I reckon, at the end of the season that will feel unfortunate not to go up automatically. And mm. there'll be some that feel unfortunate not to get in the playoffs. I remember a few years ago, Accrington Stanley, I think, were in the top three, dropped down to fourth, I think, on the, on the last weekend, and then yeah. lost in the playoffs. I think there could be a team like that again this, yeah. again this year. I think January is going to be massive, you know, who, who mm. sort of strengthens best in January could be crucial. Well, there, so. is, there are so many teams that are, can, can use the fact, oh, we're battling for promotion, because it's half the table. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm, I'm glad you've just not asked us who you think is going to finish the season in the top three, <laughs> Stu, because I haven't got a clue. It could be anyone. You could I mean, Jack, you're, you're a betting man. Any thoughts? Who's going to finish in the top three? I mean, it could I, I, I it literally could be any of about 10, I think. So even Swindon, who I think would be on a lot of people's lists, if they lose Owen Doyle in, the, in, in January, yeah. which they could well really huge loss. You know, so, even, even, so I would say Swindon at the moment, not just because they're top, because they, they play some very neat football, they've got good footballers, but if you lose that player, he's hard to replace, especially when you've not paid a transfer fee. Yeah. I mean, some teams have been doing really, really well recently, 
I'm thinking like Cheltenham, you know, they've been on really good run of form. And then they lost at home to Forest Green. They had seven put past them. I know it was a much changed team in the um, EFL trophy. And then they went to Exeter on Saturday and by all accounts were defence mode imperative and, you know, didn't do anything. And they've been one of the, the form teams. And, and you flip it round at the start of the season, not the start of the season, but when Argyle played Northampton, I remember Northampton experts saying, yes. there's no way Argyle will, well, there's no way Northampton will get a point yeah. against Ryan Lowe's team. And, and we were all confused as to why Northampton were down where they were because they had such a good team. But obviously it's clicked into place now. They won 4-1, yeah. I think it was, mm-hmm. at the weekend. Looking a very good threat. And all of a sudden, they're one of the ones that are, you know, a few wins. And I know, I hate saying that, I hate saying stuff that people say all the time. It's like, you know, get new material. But it's true. A few wins, I think, could propel anyone, even probably lower than 13th, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, well Mansfield is still lower than, I think they're 15th, 14th mm. or 15th in the table. And you look at that Mansfield squad, I mean, yeah. any team with Nicky Maynard in it yes. is going to score goals. And you've, but there's a lot of other quality in that. And Mansfield they're surely well. going to strengthen in January. They're not going to want to not be getting promoted yeah. this year. It'll it be is. interesting to see what they do with the manager as well, because I think he's under a fair bit of pressure at the moment. It's, it's wide open, isn't it? It, it is. When you look at that table and you think that Argyle are 11th and they're just seven points off the top of the table, I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? And yeah. We're not that far from the halfway point now. It's, it's not like we're still in the, the first 10 games or something like that. You, you, you've had a good chance to see most of the teams. It doesn't appear to be a standout standout team. So It's exciting, though. I'd say it's an it exciting is. league. Yeah. As I say, I think it's going to be a really fascinating League 2 campaign this year. Oh, if it is as close as it is now at the end of the season there'll be some big games on the final day oh, won't there because if it's just half the table <laughs> <laughs> but go, go talking more about Bradford I mean if because of the Grimsby postponement it feels like I can't remember it feels like forever since we played a game at Home Park when yeah. was the last time uh, it was uh, well Chelsea if you count Orient. the EFL trophy and Orient um, which was October the 22nd you were on holiday then weren't you oh, was, yes. so you've got, you've and that seems, like, eight, that seems like ages ago although I did see the Chelsea game yeah. obviously in the Everyone just in the chance that, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Chris certainly does, that's for sure. But so, um, a big game on Saturday, though, isn't it? Two, two teams that are expected to be up there. I think the tip by the bookies at the start of the season are going some good form. Bradford, never, you can never underestimate. And probably two of the biggest in terms of fan base teams in the league as well. So I hope Bradford bring a lot of fans down because that's the one thing I really dislike about League 2 football is because Argyle is so far away you don't get big away no. crowds so I hope there's a decent away crowd and I, I hope there's a decent home crowd and you know, there's a, a really good atmosphere because I, I miss that in League 2 games sometimes Just one quick point before we finish um, the FA Cup Argyle away to Bristol Rovers or Bromley the replay is Tuesday night tomorrow night as we record this um, right knows a bit of flavour of the month on the TV yeah. he, he keeps popping up everywhere as he was on Quest with um, Colin, Murray. Colin Murray on Saturday and he's going to be covering the replay mm. Um, for BT Sport uh, at, at Bromley that would be an interesting game it would be interesting to see where Argyle end up going I'm going to ask Jack as a fan would you rather play the League One known quantity at the Memorial Stadium or would you rather go to the National League leaders or they were the second now but they were the leaders uh, on their nice new 3G pitch what, would you, what, what do you want? So, so before this weekend mm-hmm. I was going for Bristol Rovers mm-hmm. But Bromley's not been in best of form. I've looked at the form and they've not been in the best of form lately. So 
They're second I'm, in the National League. They though. are, they yeah. are. But Argyle should still be able to beat a team. I don't know. I, I've seen enough games to know it doesn't, it doesn't always happen. <laughs> Star Ridge, Dorchester. <laughs> but my one thing is Graham Coughlin would have Bristol Rovers well up for the game against Argyle, I'm, I'm sure. So I'm, I'm edging towards Bromley now. In terms of actually travelling there, I'm sure Bristol's are more favourable. A lot easier. Especially yeah. on a Sunday afternoon. Yes. Which is when the game will be played. It is worth mentioning that, isn't it? If you've not seen that, that Argyle's game is going to be on the Sunday the 1st. Of December, not the Saturday, and two o'clock kickoff. I think it is. Yeah. It's presumably for that BBC final score yeah. program that they do. What about you, Chris? Are you looking? Do you want Bristol Rovers for the close journey, or do you want to go back to Kent? Which I is think your home, I've, homeland. My home patch. Yeah. Bromley's not proper Kent, Stu. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> no, you're right. It is. It is Kent, but. If we were doing that, if we were if we doing a Man of Kent podcast, we'd be frowning and going, no, no, Bromley's, oh, okay. Bromley's London, not not Kent. Uh, I would like to go to Bromley. I've never been there. Um, I'm not sure how Argyle would like a playing on a 3G pitch because yeah. I do think a lot of league teams find that difficult when they go to non-league teams and. Sutton have had a 3G pitch and they've caught a few league clubs out over the past. Maidstone caught Torquay out. Maidstone um, have got one as yeah. well, haven't they? So there's something to be said for going to a new club, but I, I feel like we do a lot of travelling in a season, Jack, going to games and stuff like that. And Bristol's, you know, an hour and three quarters up the road. That sort of appeals to me, but. You're going to get a Saturday off, though, are you? Yeah, but I've got to work Sunday now. You have to get a Saturday <laughs> off. You're not thinking of all the Saturday night TV you can watch. Oh, I'll be able to watch. <laughs> X Factor or well, well, do they have come, come dancing? dancing? Yeah. That's one that. of the great things about the 23 years of covering Argyle <laughs> is that I've never had to watch any of those programmes. <laughs> I, I know the names, but I, I know zero about all of them. We and on the plus good. side as well, Mrs. Errington's already done the Christmas lights, so you don't have to worry about that. That's Absolutely. So the, what <laughs> tends to happen is that if I go long distance away games, I, I come back and there's Christmas lights, decorations, you name it, all over the place. So if I've only gone up to Bristol and back, there's only a certain amount of things that can be done, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, true. Hopefully. <laughs> um, so that's an interesting game to watch. So Tuesday night at the replay, then we'll find out who Argyle have got. But I think it's quite a good tie in a way. It's either... It's the Graham Cochrane Bristol Rovers local sort of derby because there's always a bit of a sort of bit of local rivalry, isn't it, between yeah. Argyle and Rovers? Or you've got the it will feel like a cup tie. You'll go to Bromley, Bromley will be packed. You'll be playing on a three G pitch. You're mm. playing against a, you know second in the national league at the moment. You're 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 a scout to be taken. It it, it will feel like a, a proper FA Cup tie. That so, I think yeah. Now you said that I'm edging more towards Bromley. I, I I want a cup to feel like a cup. I want to be excited. Bristol Rovers. I'll just be a bit. Mm. We played them twice already this year. Once in a friendly. Once in the uh, whatever yes. it's called. Dot com trophy. <laughs> trophy now. So yeah, yeah I'm edging more towards Bromley. Uh, I don't know. I imagine the atmosphere would be pretty decent up at the Mem as well. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, true. Anyway, so. yeah, there's there's always a, a fair bit of rivalry between the two clubs. We have played each other. We do seem to have played Rovers a lot. We played Rovers in March in the league. I think mm. it was back in the last season. Uh, all, so all at Home Park, but you know March, July, September. And as we've all said, we, we, you want something a bit different, different in the cup, yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. And um, it's Bromley won't be a walkover. It's a it's potential different. banana skin, but it would if you are at Bromley that Sunday, it will feel like an FA Cup tie. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I'm, I'm not sure that when you go to Bristol Rovers, it might feel more like a league game or not quite as much edge. But I, 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 it will I, be what it's going to be. We yeah. can pontificate about it forever. Exactly. Well, we'll find <laughs> out tomorrow night yes, when, yeah, the, uh, when the replay takes place. Gents, thanks ever so much for joining me on the show that week. This this week, even <laughs> last week. <laughs> last week. Uh, that's all we've got time for. Thanks to you out there for your questions, and thanks for listening. Bye bye.
We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.